So if you would, open your Bibles with me and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And thank you once again, as I'll just echo what Stephen said. We're going to go to James, the fourth chapter. I'm just going to echo what Stephen said. And like I said, I'm not going to preach very long, I don't think, because I, I, I think the Lord's got a, something He wants to do here. But anyway, um, to thank all the, there was lots of, everybody out there contributed something. Some people brought refrigerators. Some people bought stoves. We had flooring contributed. We had lots of labor contributed. And, and uh, we just thank God that he allowed us to, to do this for Ms. Kathy and let us participate in it. We're in James, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow... In other words, you don't know what's coming tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity, Lord God, to speak for just a moment. And God, we pray in Jesus' name, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit, God, would move us, touch us, anoint us today, God. Help us to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, Father. Thank you for this opportunity to speak in your name, Father, in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Possibly because of where I am in life, this is becoming more and more of an important scripture to me. For, as you well know, because I talk about it all the time, um, I am about to have to sign up for Medicare. <clears throat> and this has been a very traumatic moment for me because I don't feel like I'm old enough to need it. But the government says when you turn 65, you've got to take it or pay a penalty, and I'm not into penalties, so I'm going to take it. So because of this, I find myself every now and then looking back over my life. I'm, I'm at a point now in my life where I'm looking over my life. Looking, my friends are retiring. My friends are, are going on trips. My friends are they're doing what they do, and I'm just at that age. And some of you are past that age, and you're probably snickering, thinking, yeah, you, you're not very old yourself. You know, you're not you're kind of silly that you're concerned about this. And I'm not really concerned, but it's just that it's, it's, a, it's a point with me to think about. And, and John says here, if you read the whole thing, he says, he says, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we're going to such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get grain. But you know what's not what's on the morrow. And, and what I want you to hear me today tell you is this. A lot of times whenever you're 21, 18, 16, 25, you've got your life figured out. Other night we went to this uh, graduation at Jasper and all those kids that came up to the microphone, they said, hello, my name is, and I'm going to such and such college and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And when you get to be 16, 17, 18, 21, 25, you know, there, you make such important decisions and you think you know what you're going to be and you think you know what you're going to do and you got it all planned out and you're looking at it and you're looking at colleges and you're looking at stuff and all I'm telling you this morning is when you make those plans and make those decisions, you need to be sure and include God in that equation. 
If, God send, if, if God's got a ministry call on your life, and several of you do, you have ministry calls on your life. When you're picking a mate, when you're picking some boy or some girl that you're planning on spending your life with, you better make sure that you consult the Lord and make sure that that person is, is able and wants to go into the same ministry that God has called you into. They, <laughs> they need to have the same thoughts you have, the same goals you have. If Kathy and I weren't compatible in what we do, how do you think we could pastor a church? She works harder than I do. She's more involved in this or at least as much involved in it as I am, we're both committed to what we're doing. And if I didn't have a spouse that was committed to what I was doing, do you think I could put 100% of my life into this? I could not. But that decision had to be made when I was 18 years old or 16 years old. That decision was made then of who the Lord had laid out for me to be a part of and what thing God had sent me into. And I'm just saying today, when it comes to your life, you better spend some time praying and asking God and seeking the Holy Spirit because you don't know what's going to happen next week. You don't know the next pandemic that's going to show up, and I imagine there will be another one. You don't know what situation's ahead of you. You don't know, you don't know what your life has ahead of you. But I serve one who does know. I serve one who does know. And if God calls you into a ministry, if God calls you into an occupation, you know, whenever I was 17 years old, every time a guy came to church that was using the gift of prophecy, he called me to the front every single time. Even if I sat in the back and looked at the ground, he called me to the front. And you know what he told me? God's got a call on your life. Well, I knew that. God's going to call you into the ministry. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to be a preacher. The Lord's got a call on your life. And one of them told me, you need to go enroll in Southwestern Assemblies of God College and get in there and get involved and become a pastor. Well, you know what? I was involved in Lamar University in electrical engineering. If I would have listened to him, I would have went to Southwestern Assemblies of God College and I would have got a degree in, ministry, in, in, in being a pastor and I don't know what would have happened because I knew 100% that God had called me to go to Gulf State, or not Gulf States, but to go to Lamar University and get a degree in electrical engineering. And I had to follow God instead of the words of some man in order to accomplish the goal that God had given for me. And if you listen to everybody, everything, and you don't pay attention to what God is speaking to you, are you hearing me this morning? If you don't listen to what God has for you, if God has laid something on your heart, if he's given you some direction, when my daughter was 18, I wanted her to go to college. She comes in my room one night. She says, Daddy, I'm fixing to disappoint you. Well, I didn't know what was coming. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Talk slow. She said, God's called me to go to Master's Commission. Master's Commission was a program up in Dallas where they went in there and for a year they did things like worked in camps. They just were in ministry opportunities. There wasn't any college involved in it. They took some Berean courses, but it wasn't a university. It wasn't that. It wasn't what Daddy wanted because she chose to listen to God rather than listen to Daddy. And when she, got to South, when she got to Master's Commission, after a period of time, they went down to Lake Jackson, and there she met her eventual husband. 
and they got married, and now they're out in uh, Lakey, Texas, and they're working with the church out there, doing a great job of bringing Jesus Christ into that community. But if she would have listened to Daddy, she might have ended up somewhere else. And what I'm telling you is, you better hear from God on your own whenever you're trying to seek God for your future. And that's if it's buying a car, that if it's buying a house, that's whatever it is. In order for you to know what God has called you to do, you need to seek God and hear for yourself. And if somebody gives you a word of prophecy and it doesn't line up with what God has told you, then just put it on the back burner. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, because I'm only going to walk where Jesus tells me to walk. I'm only going to say what Jesus tells me to say. I'm only going to be a part of what God has called me to do. And because I know other people with good intentions may say something to me with good intentions and they may make it sound like God is saying it with good intentions, but I'm telling you, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And you can get yourself in a nine-line bind listening to somebody else and not listening to God. James says what? Your life is like a vapor. You have always, you have all, you will always be. This is your eternity. You see this? This line represents eternity. And it actually goes through that wall. But for our sake of what we're talking about, this is eternity. Somewhere in the past, you showed up. And your life is represented by this piece of paper. There's your life. That's every decision you made. You were born right here. You died right here. You made all your decisions. You did everything you were going to do right here within the length of this paper. This is seven inches long, so each, each inch represents a year. It's as if you lived 70. This is your life. And the decisions that you make right here in the length of this piece of paper determine everything that happens along this stream. You get mad right here about something that happened? You get upset about it? You decide I ain't going to church no more? Bunch of hypocrites? Bunch of hypocrites? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going there. What did you do? You did, you did more than just influence this little piece of paper. You influenced the string. No, this is, this is you. This is not generations. This rep string represents you. You're going to live in heaven or hell this long based upon decisions you made in that white piece of paper. You're going to spend your eternity either working for the Lord or burning in fire depending upon the decisions you made in this little piece of paper. What is your life, James says? What is it? What does it say? It's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. In the, in the length of the string, you wouldn't think this mattered. But this is all that matters. This is it. If you live for God and do the things that God does, then you'll have the beauty of all the great things God has designed for you throughout all this length of string, throughout all eternity. You go halfway for God, I'm going to tell you something. In heaven, in heaven, there are, there are places in heaven where people are rewarded. If you look in that book right there, 
you'll find that David had a group of 300 men, 600 men, 600 men. They called them David's mighty men. There were 600 of them. Now, they were, they were rough guys. They were tough guys. They were guys that had been, they, they, were, they weren't your typical army, but they were dedicated to David with all their heart. And when you begin to read about the, David's mighty men, they'll tell you that there was one called Aholiam. And Aholiam was the head of David's mighty men because of a mighty act that he did. And then there's a funny one. It says the next in line was a guy named Eleazar. That's not funny, but what's funny is he's the son of Dodo. That's what's funny. And Eleazar, the son of Dodo, he stood in a field of beans when everybody else was running and he fought till the sword claved in his hand and he protected that field of beans from the Philistines and because he did a mighty act, he attained to the second highest level. Then the third one was a guy that went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion and he had turned it to the third level. He was, those were the top three. Then there was a second group of three and then everybody else was an also ran. And I'm telling you today that when you get to heaven, God is going to reward you. There are rewards in heaven. And those rewards that you receive in heaven are not based upon anything but what you did in this length of paper. And if you follow the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, nobody in this church may have known your name. But if you followed God with everything that you got, if you did that, somebody's going to know your name. Let me, let me back up on that. But if you follow the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, you may not ever be known anywhere else, but when you get to heaven, you're going to march down streets of gold. You're going to be in God's highest place. You're going to obtain his highest position. You're going to be able to go to the gates of the city. You're going to be able to go anywhere. You're going to be used of God, known of God. When you get to that city, we may not have known you on earth, but if you did everything God gave you to do, then when you get to the gates of heaven, they'll know who you are. Why? Because by exploit, did, did you hear what he said? Follow where God's leading you, and God will put you in a position where you can obtain the, the rewards and the things that God has ordained for you all the length of eternity. You serve God half-heartedly. You serve God and you still do the things that he says, but you do it half-heartedly then you're going to get a half-hearted reward throughout all eternity. You say, well, that won't matter to me. I'm there. Well, let me tell you something. When I was 22 years old, I went to work for Gulf State Utilities, and they gave me a piece of paper. And that piece of paper had only the thing called the thrift plan. And the thrift plan told me that they were going to put money in account for me. And when I retired on October the 30th of 2023, then I would have this much money in this thrift plan and I would be able to draw this much money a month for my retirement. And you know what I said? I ain't never going to live to 2023. <laughs> my goodness, do you know how far away that is from 1981? Do you know how far it was from 1981 to 2023? I couldn't even see it. I said, you got to be kidding me. What do I care about 2023? Jesus may come. Why would I concern myself with that? And they took that piece of paper, and every year they gave it to me, and every year I snickered about it. And whenever I'd worked for Gulf States for seven years, I quit. 
And when I quit, guess what they did with that thrift plan money? They gave it to me because I left. They gave it to me. Now, if I'd have been a smart guy and I'd have said, you know what? I should have I take that money and I should give it to an investor because 2023 is a long time and I can invest my money and it can draw something called compound interest. If I was smart, I'd have done that. But you know what I did with mine? I bought a sectional for my house because I'd have had to take out a loan if I didn't. So I bought a sectional. You know where that sectional is now? Neither do I. <laughs> so I took my money and I poured it on the ground. Because why? Because I couldn't figure out why I would. I had a lots of years, right? I mean, I'm 22. I'm not fixing to retire tomorrow. What difference does it make? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy my money, and I'm going to buy me a sectional because we need a sectional. So I cashed in that money that I got from Gulf State Utilities at $4 a share, and three years later, you know what that same money was spending for? $16 a share. But I had a sectional. Better one in the hand than two in the bush. What's my point? My point is the decision that I made impacted my future. And now, guess what? I'm five, four months away from 2023. Thank God at 30 years old, I got some sense. And I said, this company, which was Temple Inland, that's where this is from actually, is giving me 3% for every 3% I put in. So thank the Lord that I got some sense and I started putting my 3% in so I could get their 3%. Because now when I retire at 2023 20, at 65 years old, actually later than that, and I start drawing my money, there's something there for me to withdraw from. I'm not out there saying, oh man, what am I going to do? How am I going to live on $1,800 a month from Social Security? How am I going to make that? I don't have to do that. Why? Because whenever I'm, I was a young man, I made a decision to start putting some money in a thrift account. This is the first year I did it. It had the, a grand total of $912.20 in it. But it was $912.20 that by the end of my time with Temple had grown to $80,000. And then I went to work for Scowlin, and I walked out of there with $140,000. And next thing you know, my, my little peddling 3% that I put in there every month, next thing you know, it's grown into a retirement account that's, that's out there now. Oh, I'm not rich. I'm not fixing to take a, take a world cruise. I'm not fixing to cash in my million dollars because I don't have a million dollars. But I tell you what, I don't have 10 either. How did that happen? Because I made a decision in the midst of this paper to, to do something about my life. Because I realized that what was going to go on here was going to be affected back here. And some of you this morning, you need to make a decision. Because what's going on in your life right now is not putting you on this string. You're not going to end up reaping the gates of pearl. You're not going to end up reaping the, the halls of heaven because to him that knows to do good, 
to him that knows to do good, to him that knows to do good, to him that knows to do good, and he won't do it, to him that knows he's got a call on his life, and he won't follow it, to him that knows that God is saying, help a woman build a house, and he won't build it, to him that knows what God is telling you to do, and when God says give an extra 5% above your tithe, and you won't do it, to him that knows to do good, and won't do it, the Bible says to him, it is sin. So what's my point? My point is the things that you do today are not only going to affect your decisions of how you live throughout this paper. Some of you right now, you're in a bad situation. You're in something you're not, you're not interested in being in. You're in a, you're in, you're in, you're, you need to make a change. But it's hard to make a change. But what I tell you, what I'm telling you is this: if you don't do something here, then you're not going to be happy with the results here. And if you don't do something across the force of this 70 years, then you're going to affect your entire eternity, and you're not going to be happy with the results of what you get. Oh, if I get into heaven, I'll be happy. You won't be happy if you know you could have done better. I said, you won't be happy if you know you could have done better. Paul didn't say. Paul didn't say, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I almost finished my course. I almost did everything God called me to do. I almost made it. I almost, I, I, there's just that one time at Lystra, there's just that one time at Lystra when after I was stoned, I, I didn't march back into the city like he told me, but you know, I almost did. I, I almost did it. No. He said, I fought a good fight. Kept the faith. I finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up for me now a crown of righteousness. The crown that God has ordained for me is, you know, when everybody says, oh, there's no tears in heaven. Well, there are for the first six verses of chapter 21 in Revelation because it says he wipes all tears from their eyes. So somebody up there is crying. Did I, did I lose you there? No tears in heaven. Well, there is for the first six verses. You're either crying over a lost loved one that you should have witnessed to, crying over an event that maybe you should have done you didn't do, crying over something where God told you to go and you didn't go, crying over something where God tried to lead you in a ministry call and you wouldn't go, trying to do something that you did something half-heartedly when you couldn't have done it with all your might. This, this, is, this, this decision right here affects the entire length of the string. Are you hearing me? Am I, am I making sense this morning? So make good decisions here. If you're a young person and you're not involved in a savings plan, get involved in a savings plan. That's a good decision for here. I know Jesus is going to come in the next five years. I know that. But if he don't, I thought he was going to come, you know, 1988. There was 88 reasons why he should. He didn't make it. And now I'm... I once was young, now I'm young at heart. <laughs> I'm done. Stand with me this morning if you would. We've got communion to do here in just a second. So Kathy, would you go to the piano for me please? You say that wasn't much of a sermon. Come tonight, I'll do better. 
Some of you this morning, we're not going to prolong this because we've got communion to do. But some of you this morning, you need to make a decision in that paper that's going to affect your entire stream. You're living half-hearted for God. Half-hearted. The Bible says if you're neither in nor out, then he'll spew you out of his mouth. He's not interested in somebody half-hearted. You know, I, I coached baseball. I, I, I helped coach baseball teams. And the most frustrating person to coach, you know who's the most frustrating person to coach is? The kid that's got an extreme amount of talent but won't work. You look at this kid and you say, man, alive. He can catch, he can throw, he can run. This kid's got a future. He's amazing. He could do anything he wants in life, but he won't work. He won't go out there. He wants to cut up all practice. And you're trying to help him achieve a, a goal and a destiny that you see in his life, but he's so busy cutting up and fooling around that he ends up not doing anything. There was a guy I went to high school with. His name was Pee Wee. Pee Wee was the most gifted athlete I've ever seen in my life. I ran hurdles in high school. And, and I went to regionals. I thought I was a pretty good hurdler. And you know, one day he came up to me in track practice and said, ain't nothing to run them hurdles. I've been running them since I was in seventh grade. I was a senior. He said, there ain't nothing to run them hurdles. I said, oh yeah? I said, you want a race? He said, yeah. He beat me. He beat me. He's never run them. And you say, well, you must not have been that good. I went to regionals. I thought I was decent. But he had so much talent. He was so fast. He could do anything. But he wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. And, and some of you, that's, that's, that's where you are. God's given you talents and abilities. He's given a call on your life. You, you've, got, you've got all the tools. You've got everything you need to succeed and do everything God's given you to do in this little section here so you can reap the benefits of all the long string, but you won't do it. You won't do it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this morning that God's calling you this morning to make a decision. If God be God, let him be God. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. And if God's moving in your heart to kick it up, then I want you to come this morning as a symbol to say, God, I want to kick it up. I don't want my life to be subpar because I wouldn't make a good decision in the little bitty piece of paper that's back there. If, you, if you're not serving the Lord this morning and you need to be serving the Lord and you're feeling the Holy Spirit right now tell you you need to make a change, then you need to walk this aisle and come down here and meet me so that we can affect where you spend eternity with this string. Because you're either going to spend it in heaven or you're going to spend it in hell. And there's no end to this thing. It's not like it's a thousand years or a million years or a millennium or anything and you get out. You don't ever get out. You don't get out. You spend eternity burning in the devil's hell and you never get out and you never find any relief. And better than that, the Lord says that when he wipes away the tears from, his eye, from the eyes of those who have lost loved ones, he'll also wipe away the memory so you'll suffer in hell throughout all eternity and nobody will care that you're there they don't remember you anymore. 
you need Jesus this morning, if you need to get it right with God this morning, I want you to come and meet me down here. If you need to kick it up a step, you say, God's moving on my heart. I know what he's called me to do. And, I, and I've got to make some decisions and I've got to kick it up a step. Then I want you to meet me down here. But if God's moving in your heart right now, I want you to leave your seat and come meet me down here, would you? Anybody this morning, God's moving on your heart. I know God's called me to. I know I need to get saved. I know I need to get my life right because the decision you made down there affects all of this. Y'all come on around this way a little bit. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Just going to sneak in there. Anybody else this morning? Decision you make today is going to affect that string. Anybody else this morning? came down here I don't so what I want you to do right now is I just want you to begin to talk to the Lord I want you to begin to tell him why you came down if you need to repent of your sin then you begin to repent if you want to say God I, I know Lord that you've laid this on my heart and I'm going to accomplish it I'm going to do it I'm going to, I'm going to be what you've called me to be then I want you to do that with me this morning would you congregation would you lift your hands this way Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray, Almighty God. Father God, hallelujah. Forgive us of our sins, O oh God. Forgive us, O oh Lord God, of half-heartedly serving you. Forgive us, O oh God, of walking by situations that you've given us the opportunity to change and we walked by them. Lord, forgive us, O oh God, of half-heartedly serving you, Lord God, and not serving you with all of our mind, our heart, our soul, and our strength. Forgive us, Almighty God, hallelujah. If there's any down here, Lord God, that's committed sin, oh God, I pray, Father God, that you would forgive them, oh God. I pray, Lord God, that they would confess their sin. For, Lord God, you said if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God, I pray this morning, Lord God, hallelujah, Father, that we would serve you with all of our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, God. Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would lead us and guide us and direct us. God, that the glory of the Lord would touch our souls, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> God, if we want you to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then Lord God, we've got to serve you well, Lord God, in the area of the paper, Father God. We've got to serve you, Lord God, in the area of the paper, Father. God, help us to serve you well, O oh God, that we might hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, that we may lay aside all sin and all weights that doth so easily beset us, that we might run this race with patience, O oh God, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, I thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
God, I worship you. God, I worship you. God, I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. said to do this in remembrance of him that's what we're doing this morning we're remembering the words of Christ we're remembering the call of Christ we're remembering the commitment of Christ we're remembering the things that God has done in our soul we're remembering him this morning
praise God. I'm so thankful that the Lord is faithful and he shows up. Always is he faithful to show up. And Brother Scott uh, texted me and asked me if I could do this. Immediately something came to my mind. And I said, okay, Lord. I said, I'm going to do what you say. And, and sometimes I'm thinking, Lord, I don't really know much about some of these things. But um, he said, that's okay, I do. So, but, you know, the scripture that came to my mind was 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, where it says, take and eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He offers it. We have to take and then we have to partake of it. And in John 6:35, he says that Jesus said that I am the bread of life, that he's the giver of life. And, you know, it was a practical illustration this morning with the string. And I'm thankful for it because, you know, when God tells me something, I sometimes want a practical application. That way, I mean, I can hear it, but if I don't know how to put it forth and apply it, then I don't seem to receive very much out of it. And so, you know, we're doing this as a time to remember what he did, what he's doing now, and what's to come. And so, you know, the past significance of this is a living uh, memorial, a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us, his death on the cross, that it bought our redemption, that it rescued us and brought salvation. He took our sins upon his own body, that we could be healed, not just in the body, but in every area, physically, mentally, emotionally, in every area. And in the present, you know, we look, it's a time to experience the companionship and unity which we were experiencing this morning with God's presence. That's what it is here and now today. For us to fully be equipped and walk in it. And you know, the future is looking forward to his return for us. Just like that string was stretched across this morning. But in Jesus, he said, just like this physical body needs food, it needs nourishment, it needs strength, and we have to partake of things to give it that. And so does our spirit. You know, this old body likes junk food. Mine does. It likes junk food. But I know that if I eat just junk food, eventually I have no energy. I have nothing that I need that's beneficial to me. Eventually it even begins to break down in mental clarity and capacity as well as our body and I guess if you're not a junk food eater you you wouldn't really know that but if you eat enough of it you begin to find that as you start feeling bad and you have no substance of what you need and so it is without Jesus you may feel okay for a little while think you're doing good in life I mean the string that he, he set up you know was just a perfect example I love how God will do those things as we start out in life thinking, okay, I'm doing pretty good, I'm successful, but eventually you'll find when you have an encounter with God, when he's preparing your heart because he knows you need him, and you, you tell him no, it eventually leads to destruction. It leaves us bitter, it leaves us sick, empty, bankrupt, but Jesus being the true bread of life 
He provides a remedy for everything that we have need of, every one of the issues that we encounter when we have no strength, when we have no energy, when we have no mental capacity to do the things that we need to do. He provides clarity and healing, nourishment and strength, but growth and development too. It's a continual thing. And he doesn't leave us without the substance we need. So as we think and remember Jesus in the body of this bread, what we're partaking of, is to say thank you, Lord, for you knew what I would have need of, every part of it in this life, because you endured it and you provided it for me. And this is another practical example. And I thought, Lord, I don't even know why I want to say this, but because you said it, I'm going to trust that you know. And he brought to my mind a six-cylinder vehicle. And, you know, every one of those cylinders and for them to be firing and hitting on them are important. And when one is not, you know it. Something is lacking. It starts feeling sick. It's sputtering. It doesn't have any power. And that's what it is when we go through life only living half-hearted for the Lord. There's some things missing, and we don't have the power. We don't have the strength and the stamina to keep going and do the things that God has asked us to do. But with him, he puts everything in perfectly working order for us by the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in us and through us. And, you know, that's how it is if, if something in that engine's not running correctly. You realize it. I may not know anything about them, but I know when something's not running right. I know when it doesn't have the power for when I give it the gas and I'm ready to go. You know, I know that for sure. And so that's how it is in our life. It's not perfectly balanced in the way it idles or the way it runs. And therefore, we don't get the best performance that it has to offer. And it's the same with us. We don't get the best performance that God has for us through him to do when we don't have him and when we're not continually being refilled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit's the turbo. He's the turbo. And I'm very thankful for that. I said, Lord, I'm going to say that because I've had a vehicle with the turbo. I got one right now. And you can tell the difference. Just going to say and that's what the Holy Spirit is for us. And so we want the whole part of what Jesus did for us. And that's why we do this. And why we're the symbol of this bread is for what Jesus did for us. He done a whole thing for us. And to partake of every bit of it. That way we can continually be fueled and move forward in the plan and purpose that he has for us. And we can make it. And it be good at the end. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege and the freedom, Lord, to come to your house, to hear your word, to encounter you personally, Lord. And I pray that your work and your word have its perfect work in us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would create a desire in us to seek after you and encounter you more and more, Lord, to fuel us by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for allowing your body, Lord, to be that sacrifice for us provide everything that we have need of and more to make it to the finish line to be with you for eternity in Jesus name amen
nothing like speaking after eating a cracker. In Matthew 26, verse 27 through uh, 29, it says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many of the remission of sins. And this is where he spoke to me this morning when I was reading and studying. It says, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He's waiting on us to drink it again. Jesus gave up his life so we could have ours. He died like us so we could live like him. Greatest day is when we see our eyes. Let me re-say that. Greatest day is when we see with our eyes Jesus lifting up this cup again to partake with all of us. It's in that moment that the bride and groom reconnect for eternity. You know, I'm not about to enroll in Medicaid. I don't know if Medicaid's going to be there when I get there. But when I do, but I, what I do know is, is that Jesus will always be there. The things of this world are growing dimmer and dimmer. It's not fun. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of letdowns from this world. But Jesus took care of it. He's there with us. So when you partake this morning, reflect on what was done on Calvary. In order for all of us to have life, the sacrifice, the shed blood to wash us clean. Without blood, we have no life. If you don't believe me, any of us that skin fish or animals, when that blood is gone, they're dead. There's power in the blood. And the one promise that will soon come to pass when we all partake over there is we'll all be with him, rejoicing. Amen? So let us pray. Father, we just thank you right now for sending your son to die for our... to shed his blood, Father, to, not only just to cover us, but to wash us clean, Father, so that we may stand right before you, Father. Lord, we pray right now, Father God, if there's any here, Father God, that don't understand the power of the blood, that your spirit, Father God, just as she spoke earlier, that that Holy Spirit, the turbo, will give them the power, give them a taste of the power that's, that's available once we ask. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Father, for what you've done for me, for what you've done for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. May we protect. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died upon the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. Oh, he's coming back again. He's coming back again. He's coming back again for me 
Cause one day when I was lost, Jesus died upon the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. Amen. Amen. I heard a saying one time that said a million dollars and a bale of hay are worth the same on judgment day. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for this service, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, I pray, God, that you'd rest our bodies this afternoon. Bring us back tonight at the appointed hour, Father, and we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name and for your glory, amen. God bless you. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you back.